when you're feeling like your mind is racing and you're going and you feel like you're constantly like feeling like you need to sprint that that's um, like you were saying, it's like your internal clock telling you to slow down and maybe just go for a walk outside and see what that, what comes up for you. Um, I feel like I find, I learn a lot more about myself and I come up with my best ideas when I'm walking out in nature. Um, so I encourage you all to do that. Welcome to the wake up your warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, warrior. Welcome back to another episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you're here listening, so thank you so much. I'm actually coming to you today, recording this intro from a hotel room in New York City. And I came in last night for salsa classes. That's kind of been one of the only reasons I've been coming into the city lately. And I live so far away from Manhattan that it's very convenient and less stressful to just stay over and feed two birds with one scone because when I stay over, I'm able to take two nights of salsa classes and I'm taking like three hours of class just to pretty much pack in as much learning as possible while I'm here. I signed up for these salsa classes back before in the before times and had just started taking maybe like four months in and then everything locked down. So Since I um, kind of purchased a few months of classes in advance back then, they're honoring that, which is wonderful. And it's a great school and it really drills salsa into you. And that is something that I have been motivated and desiring to do for many years now. And so I will put the time in, put the work in, put the travel time in and get my butt here like once a week, but it's, it's more like every other week. And I've been using like Hotel Tonight or Hopper, which are websites that you can get last minute, you know, inexpensive hotel deals. So that has been saving me um, because New York City hotels, no matter what day of the week it is, are pretty expensive if you want something bigger than a shoebox and clean. (laughs) So that has been really, really great. So that's why I'm here this morning uh, recording this intro for you. But uh, salsa has been going amazingly. I've sort of, I'm going to record a solo episode on this, but I'll just kind of like talk out the the beginnings of it here. And with, you know, the last two years, how our lives have changed, how we have had to alter things in a way that were more than less desirable, had to you know, we were restricted in so many ways. We were limited in so many ways. Parts of our life, moments of our life were were limited, were taken from us in some way. And, you know, we're all on this planet and we're all going to not be on this planet at some point. And I don't know, it's, it's the experience of not being able to do something that you really want to do that has me feeling like I don't want to waste 
another moment not being intentional with my time, with my mood, with my emotional connection, with my energy that I am bringing into my life. And although it's a practice for sure, because, you know, it's easy to just kind of get wrapped back into routine and being on autopilot and forgetting that you have a say in what you're bringing into that moment and how you choose to show up in a moment, if you choose to show up at all. And I've really been connecting to the intention of feeling alive in as many moments of my day as I can. Instead of, you know, those moments that are kind of just boring and you're just like, I'm going to fast forward this. Commute is a perfect example. We are like, oh, you know, the commute is so long or it's just this time where I'm just getting from point A to B. And so I'm not going to take it seriously or I'm just going to listen to whatever or I'm going to be, you know, focused on the traffic and focused on the external environment around me. And that's going to influence how I feel. And that's going to influence the tone that I bring into the rest of my day. And I just don't want those in-between moments to go to waste just because they're short or boring, you know, or traditionally boring, or I haven't been intentional with them in the past. So yeah, this is like something I have shift, I'm shifting into because it's definitely a choice. I can feel myself being pulled back into just, I don't want to say mediocrity, but just like I don't need to do that today. Like it's not a big deal if I don't go to salsa practice this week. It's not a big deal if I don't call my friend this week and just check in and catch up. And those little, it's not a big deal. I don't need to do that. Of course, I don't need to do that. But doing those things makes me feel so much more connected to life, to time, to purpose, to joy, to love, to me feeling one of, you know, my favorite versions of myself, which allows me to then bring more of that into the bigger times, into the more stressful times, into the in-between times. And then you start to look for opportunities and moments where maybe you've kind of just like glossed over and just not, didn't even think about, but you start to say like, how can I bring in this five minutes of time before this meeting, how can I bring an alive energy to this five minutes? What might that look like for me? How can I get creative and a way to tap into connection and love and presence and joy and whatever your way of being choice uh, of intention is. And it just takes you to a whole other level. It just makes you get inspired to do things you would never normally do. Like maybe you would throw a dance party in your own kitchen for that five minutes before you had to be on that meeting or before you run out to the store. And so it's been changing me, which I've really been enjoying. Um, and this is kind of how I get myself to two hour on a two hour commute to get to the city to take a salsa lesson because it makes me feel 
so incredibly alive. So if you identify and resonate with that at all, send me a DM on Instagram. I'd love to talk this out with you at christine.cohen. And um, yeah, I'd just love to hear if you're doing this, if you what you think of this idea, what your version of it is, all those things. So today on the podcast, I have a friend of mine, Karen Tolf. To- Karen Tofolo, sorry. And she's the founder of Happy Belly Strong, which is a wellness brand designed to ditch diets, gain strength, and minimize stress for good. Uh, Karen is one of my friends that I met a few years ago in the fitness industry while we were both living in New York City. Um, We both had different color hair. (laughs) And now we have both moved out of the city both have brown hair and um, are both up to big things. But she's like my travel buddy. We have traveled to, let's see, Montana together, Glacier National Park. We went to Banff in Canada, which was incredible. Lake Louise. I mean, the most beautiful place I have ever been. Like maybe same level as the Swiss Alps. Like mind blown just how beautiful it is there. And then we went to Quebec City a few years ago and did some hiking there. All our vacations revolve around hiking and movement and mountains. (laughs) So it's been really fun to be able to do that with her. And today was great recording this podcast together because we really got to get into a little bit more of how she's evolved her life, her relationship with food, her relationship with movement um, as she has kind of transitioned out of the city and into something new. So I'll read her bio and then we'll jump right into our conversation. So Karen um, empowers her clients to create sustainable habits that work with their busy schedules through movement, mindset, and nutrition. She has an adventurous spirit with so much respect and love for the great outdoors This love led her to leave her successful career in New York City to learn how to farm in Vermont. I visited her in Vermont and it was incredible. She now lives on the coastline of New Jersey and finds this space mentally soothing. She uses nature as a healing modality to calm the nervous system and teaches these same principles to her clients to create freedom in their bodies. I'm really excited for you to listen to this conversation today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on Apple iTunes. It is so helpful to me. It is a really easy thing, takes less than two minutes to do, and it makes such a big impact on uh, the improvement of the podcast, the growth of the podcast, and I love hearing what you guys love to hear more of, and then I can create more of the stuff that you want to hear. All right. Thanks so much. And here we go. But before we dive into that conversation, if you are looking to naturally improve your mental health, you're going to want to check out my free workshop. The link is in the show notes below. And in this, we're going to learn all about how nutrition, gut health, lifestyle factors, hormone imbalances, nutrient imbalances, which are a huge, huge factor inside of this, and genetics plus more are underlying causes that are affecting our mental health. We're really going to be looking at the physiological causes, not the psychological life experience causes that so many of us attribute 
our mental health struggles too. But when we take a functional medicine perspective where we really look at the whole body and we understand, oh my gosh, like proteins are needed to make my brain chemicals and certain vitamins and minerals in the right amounts play a ginormous role in how I feel day to day. And so we're going to dive in and really help you understand what is affecting potentially the underlying issues in your body that are causing or contributing to these symptoms of poor mental health. And of course, what you can do about it. I, of course, will give you action steps um, and really take it step by step with you so you get a really good understanding of what is going on and how you can support yourself with this. As you know, my story, I healed myself naturally uh, from anxiety and depression. And from what I have learned, as well as working with dozens of people in helping them resolve their own anxiety, depression, whether it's just diag- if it's diagnosed and they're on medication or even just, you know, life stress that just feels like a lot and we're just fatigued and we're kind of just dragging ourselves along, not really feeling great, knowing we don't feel great, but our lab tests come back normal, even though, you know, we don't feel normal, but nothing seems to be wrong where a doctor can help. And often we're just met with solutions that aren't really helpful, that aren't really solving what is going on underneath the surface. So I'm going to dive into that surface with you, below that surface with you, and really help you understand and um, give you the tools to empower yourself to do something about this. So go check out the link. You can watch the workshop instantly. It's called Six Steps to Naturally Improve Mental Health, and I know you're going to get a ton from it. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. I'm going to forget. Yeah. Um, like 7.15, the sun was setting when I was making dinner. I was like, whoa, like we we're here and it's only going to get warmer. Exactly. I was like, oh, it's weird how you don't, I feel like with seasonal depression, I, I don't have seasonal depression or I have some symptoms, I guess, of just like the darkness. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the light comes and like the days get warmer, you're just like, oh, where did this energy come from? It's so true. It's so true. I was thinking the same thing because I would say for the last, like definitely the last two years. So probably the last like three to four years, I have not experienced seasonal depression. Like I used to really Mm -hmm. like feel super low in the winter. And it was just like the hardest for me for any energy, you know, everything just intensified. And So for the last, you know, four years, I've felt really good about winters, which has been a total game changer for me. It's not like a season I can just like throw out. (laughs) I throw out anymore. It's like, oh, winter's like got a cool energy of its own when I'm feeling good. But I was realizing, one, it always helps when I go on vacation, obviously, Mm -hmm. at some point, even if it's for a few days in the sun, over yeah. the winter, which I did get to do this year with my family. We went to St. Martin. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was almost like as soon as March hit and I sort of felt this like slam on the brakes feel in my own body. And it, I wouldn't call it seasonal depression, but I was like, I forgot how March 
it's just like the end of this winter and you just want out. You're like, I'm ready for change Mm -hmm. and it's not quite given it to you yet. And I'm like, I forgot how hard March does feel. Mm-hmm. You're like at the end of the marathon sort of thing where you're like, I know the end is near and I just want to get there. <laughs> yeah, I resonate with that so much. And I feel like it's like one of those teaser months too, where it's like yeah. the smells of spring are here. The days are longer, but you can get snow at any, like there's still snow on the mm-hmm. forecast or like 30 degree days. And you're just yeah. like, no. Yeah, (laughs) totally thrown off. All those like interim months where the seasons are changing, there is something that happens like in our bodies with that too. Whether it's the light or the temperature or just like the ups and downs, you know, it's just like not as steady of weather. Sure. Mm -hmm. I definitely noticed that. Do you notice that just being home the last, like more the last two years, you're more in tune with the weather than you ever have been before. Did you notice that at all? Cause you're like yes. so outdoorsy. Yes. I would say, uh, the, I've noticed being out of New York. Yes. So out of New York and like into nature has made me have more of a rhythm in tune with nature rather than just like, let's just get through the seasons and like get out of it. Cause I feel like I had tunnel vision when I was in New York city of just like, um, get to like when it's freezing, you just get from a to B and you're in things. But now I like, I have the landscape of water. I have earth to ground me. I have the smells and I can, there's nature. So I just feel a little bit more, um, like you said, in tune, um, with that rhythm. And I noticed yeah, that too. I, my body definitely is aligned with nature in terms of the seasons. Cause I do feel like winter now I'm like, okay, even though I might not get like the moodiness of like the seasonal depression, but I get well, more lethargic, more tired, wanting to rest more. And in the summer, I'm like, where the hell did all this energy come from? We're at like nine o'clock in the winters, I'm like falling asleep at nine mm-hmm. o'clock in the summers. I'm like, let's go on a walk. Like, it's just so funny how each season can affect you. And those shoulder seasons are like hope and like, and like falls, like ending and like holding on to like the last days of summer. And then spring, it's like, there's this like hope and a birth mm-hmm. and rebirth and all this stuff. So it's nice to see the different changes of my own energies with nature. Yeah, you said that so well. And I think you're right. It's not just about COVID, although that did give a, like a better sense of just presence and like slowing down to just like see what's going on around me. But not being in New York has definitely made me notice. I'm like, you know, because you, I now live on Long Island and I also live near water. But it's just like more nature-y out here than even where I grew up on another part of Long Island. And um. I like will go for walks outside and I'll walk past the same trees, you know, like and every week you can just see it changing in some way, whether whether it's getting little blossoms on it or it's the leaves are changing because of the fall. And it's just like really simple to notice it, but it really is beautiful at the same time to like see that change and that presence. And I'm I really enjoy that about living out here for sure. Yeah. You connect more with like your, you have a different relationship with the outside world 
when you see it change in its seasons, which to me, I'm like, oh, it's like my tree boyfriend or my tree girlfriend, you know, <laughs> it's like, let me go hang out with my friends yeah, and but see what they're doing. You also said it so well, like you see that reflection inside of you. And I think in the past, I used to just like blame my own mind for not being able to keep up the same level of intensity during any period of time. And I never really connected it to like, it's appropriate. Like it's just natural. It's a natural mm-hmm. flow to want to slow down and sleep later. And I would sort of like resist it and fight it and blame and shame myself for it and be like, why can't I have the same summer energy as I do in the winter or vice versa? And learning so much f- about physiology and just understanding, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's so much biology that's wrapped into even seasonal depression in and of itself, just with like our sleep circadian rhythms, how that has to do with serotonin production and melatonin production. And for me, when I understand the science behind the why of something, mm-hmm. it's it like releases this, I don't know, psychological blame or this mm-hmm. that I don't know how to call it, but it releases Become this like emotional, yeah, this emotional burden that I've given myself where I'm like, oh, like this is actually how it's nature intended it. Yeah. <laughs> we force ourselves to be like, these robots to fit inside nature when we just need to be nature. No. So sad, but so beautiful. So beautiful. I think we should just keep rolling with this because this is a fun way to yeah. start off our conversation. Uh-huh. Totally. <laughs> so I do like to ask, what is your favorite way to move your body these days? What have you been uh, enjoying? Very different shift than what I used to do in the city, which was boxing. Now it really is a slower approach and really any way that I can get outside and move next to the sun or the water, which is where I live. I live in Asbury Park, New Jersey, is my favorite way to move. So right now, um, because the weather is changing and there's less salt on the road and snow, I am actually longboarding with like this giant skateboard and I'm cruising around on next to the boardwalk and moving that way, listening to music, dancing on it. Like I feel (laughs) more, my workouts are more playful now than they used to be less rigid. What shifted that? Not having to have the pressures of boxing or like trying to make my fights or my weight. Um, and I left New York two years ago. I believe getting more into nature and being able to connect with nature is why I'm starting to have that playfulness in terms of just like less rigid, like my whole life with work. I feel like I am going, 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 going that like, I want my workouts to be more, whatever I feel like doing that day is what I do. I can definitely relate to that. That's been a shift for me too. I think when I first met you, a thousand years ago, you had yeah. blonde hair. I had uh-huh. pink hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're brunettes. <laughs> now we're both brunettes. Um, <laughs> and it was at some boot camp that a mutual friend was doing. I was videoing it. You were taking it just, I think, to mm-hmm. support. And then we connected because you're like, I'm starting this thing, Happy Belly Strong. And I want to like have a video that just shows all the culminations of what this brings together 
with the movement, with the nutrition. You were even doing meal plan, not not Mm -hmm. meal planning, meal prepping, cooking delicious meals for people and dropping it off to them. And you were boxing. Like you were, I forget if you were just getting into boxing at that point. What was, take us back there. What was going on? So that was like seven years ago now, which is wild. Um, I was just this little tiny girl in New York City trying to make it. Um, I was just starting boxing. I was doing boxing more in terms of play, but then I was transitioning more into sparring and starting to get into more of like amateur fights. And that was probably around that time because that was when I was doing all those fitness classes is when I started like falling in love with like New York movement culture. And like that, I feel like is a whole different breed in itself than just movement and fitness in general. Um, the fitness culture and then that New York city scene around seven years ago was alive. There was a lot happening. It's saturated now, but it was like everyone I feel like was just starting, or maybe I just noticed it more because I was starting my own business. So I was connecting and networking more with other like-minded people. Um, but yeah, I was, I never stopped. I was a very burnt out trainer, nutritionist, and uh, a boxer or wannabe boxer back then. Yeah. And you say burnt out. Were you feeling burnt out and just like pushing through it? Or were you getting either whispers or like screams from your body? Like, we need to slow this train down. Like, where were you at? I was in the ignoring phase of the screams. So like they were there, but I was like, this is just how you're supposed to do it. If I need to make it somewhere, like I I just, you blinders on blaze forward. Don't take any breaks. Like we like taking breaks is for the week. Like that's just like my mentality was just a go getter. And, um, it took a while. I feel like a good year, two years, maybe into that, where I was like, I, I really had to put a halt on everything. Cause I felt that, but in the beginning, they were screams and whispers that I was just like, this is just how you play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people, especially if you are drawn to being in New York, you feel that and you just kind of like run with that. And the city sort of like pushes you into that too. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, yeah. It's hard to not be that when you're living, breathing New York. Um, so then what had you transition into doing more, I say professional, but like amateur boxing where you're now fighting and stuff like that? What made me transition to that? Or, mm-hmm. um, I loved the sport. I thought it was a challenge. It was something to keep my mind active and busy and like present at the same time. It was really hard to do, but it, it kind of was just something that for that full two hours or whatever I was training, I was in it and focused and I didn't think about work or anything else. And as, even though it was high intensity, very demanding stuff on my body, I still felt like I was in a different form of flow because I really enjoyed what I was doing. It was something that I was super passionate about and I just enjoyed the thrill of seeing what my body was capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's crazy how resilient we are when we dig into those reserves. Tell me more. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
so I would be working my, for trainers, as you know, it's like 6am to 10am is like work time. Mm -hmm. And then like four to seven is like another chunk of time. And in that middle ground is when I would train. And I don't know how I had the energy to be able to do these rounds, but I definitely felt like it kept the endurance going and allowed me to ignore, like we were talking about those whispers or screams because um, I had this like resiliency in my mental game and my physical game. So I just felt like the endurance factor, I was ready to go, but like, there's only so much you can take before you start to break down. And I noticed very quickly into the restricting highs and restriction lows of like, when I was fighting, I had to make weight. So in itself, it could be like a little secret eating disorder um, or disordered eating indefinitely. And I lost my period. I lost like the ability to understand like what was happening in tune with my body. Like I just felt like very numb to everything. Jokes weren't even funny anymore. Like I was like, kind of like skip skirting by, but like, I was really beginning to like self-loathe myself. And like my brand is called happy belly strong. (laughs) And the number one word happy, I was like, am I (laughs) like, I don't even know. Am I even like, alive anymore in here is this person like is my soul still intact like my body was going but I don't know where my soul was it wasn't there after a while I loved the sport but I realized if I continued going down this road especially with the grind of like trying to make it with my business I was going to it was going to be a recipe for disaster Mm -hmm. I don't think I knew that it was impacting you that much during that time of your life like I knew you were working your ass off and I knew that you were training hard, but it, it kind of, from the outside perspective, seemed like you were riding that wave, you know, or th- sort of thriving in that. And sure, like everyone's tired in New York. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. The, how are you? Tired is like the first thing yeah. you respond <laughs> when someone asks you that question. But um, yeah, so that, it's crazy how we don't like show that or I don't know, let that let that come through at times, but it does sound like when you made the transition over to fighting and then this whole other level came in to boxing, something that you truly loved. And like you said, it started off as play, but then when you made transitioned to fighting, things had to be more serious. Like you had to cut down to make weight. That obviously is a stress physiologically on your system. You lost your period for months, right? Or maybe even longer. Almost a year. Yeah. Almost a year. Yeah. So right there is like another symptom of stress on the body. So you're just constantly loading your body with stress and not giving it a chance to recover really at any time. And so you started to notice the breakdown then? Yes. And I think what really, what really no, I noticed the shift was when, because women fighters, especially amateur, like people don't take amateur boxing seriously because number one, no one's getting paid. Um, so, and as a woman, there's very few people, my weight class that there's very few few people in a weight class. So when I would go to fights, I would be really low restricting my diet, all this stuff, making the weight. And then the fight gets canceled the day before Mm. or the day of. So these like high expectations and riding the wave and feeling so good and empowered in my own body because I'm like, yeah, I can take it on. And then 
getting ready to go into battle. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, there's no one to fight and there's no one here or we can't make it or we can't do this or the fight got canceled or the show got canceled. And like that happened to me four times in a row where I had to like severely go under. And I think that was what kind of was like my break of just like, this is going to, this is a battle that I don't know if I want to continue now. It's not fun anymore. And Mm. my coaches would see that too. They're like, treat it as if it's fun. I'm like, it's very frustrating when all I want to do is like perform and four shows in a row get canceled and I can't perform and my body is physically falling apart on me now. So that's kind of when the transition happened of like the beginning, it was a lot of fun, but then once shows started to get canceled, it's kind of like, okay, this is, this is something that I don't even know if I want to even willing. If this is something that I don't know if I really want to push further forward. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of too old for that. At that point I was like 30, 31. And it was like, yes, I'm not young, but I'm also getting to the point where I don't really know if I want my period to be gone for a year. <laughs> That's right. something where I just feel like, okay, this isn't really healthy. Now, is that when I say normal, I really mean common. Is that common to happen with amateur female fighters who maybe are like pushing themselves way too hard physically and not allowing their body to heal, to lose their period in that sport? I definitely do. (laughs) I think that like, it's common that, uh, pros for sure. I do think that there's a little, there's more time with pros to, for their body to bounce back and recover and all Mm -hmm. that. When you're an amateur, like most amateurs are looking to become pro. So they're fighting like week after week after week. And sometimes people live in their fighting weight and some people don't. And they're always constantly having to uh, restrict themselves right around. And boxers after working at in like in that scene, it's interesting to see the, the what people do to get to make weight. So people are in like these wetsuits that you'd go surfing in and literally boxing in those to sweat in the sauna suits or doing all this stuff Mm -hmm. just to get that like five pounds of water weight out. So Mm -hmm. I've noticed most of the women probably are, it's not talked about, but are probably losing their period or not getting it at that point. Yeah. Which is like a huge sign that like your hormones are off, obviously stress cortisol is running the show and you're just in breakdown mode. Like you can't sustain that for too long without like really things starting to fall apart, like symptoms Mm -hmm. starting to like break through. Um, And I think a lot of us attribute that just to like a psychological thing, but it really now knowing what you know, it really is such a physiological thing. Yeah. I've noticed that the, um, once I, I started getting more frustrated and I was like starting to hate the sport, not hate it, but like not enjoy it as much as I did Mm -hmm. that I knew something was internally wrong with me. And I was like, Oh, I got to fix this. This is something that is not good for anyone. And it was more so like, I didn't just hate the sport. I hated even like my job. I didn't like waking up in the morning. I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to do anything. I just felt like my, the Karen was just a shell and my soul or spirit was like running for the hills. It did not want to be physically inside of me. 
yeah, I can definitely relate to that feeling of just like feeling like a shell and not finding joy in anything and wanting to just run away from everything. Yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't even have to be like physical stress that does that. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, like you're working out so hard for it to do, for that to happen. It could just be work stress, life stress. Um, But physiologically, it really is having that impact on you. When you started to realize like, I'm not myself, this is not, I can't continue this way. Were you like, what, what did you do to start to slow down? Um, I feel like that was also right around the time that we would escape to go to cold spring. So I think I took Mm -hmm. you there once my biggest escape, whenever I felt like I wanted to run away, when parts of me were like, I can't take this place anymore. I would jump on a train out of New York city, go take the Metro North go stop at some mountain in Cold Spring, New York and use my body and physically just like hike up in nature just to get grounded Mm -hmm. and just be there. Um, That was my, and it's really hard when you're in New York and you have no car, you feel kind of trapped on the Mm -hmm. island. Um, But I would either do that or I would be daydreaming or getting to the closest thing that I could find, the closest tree in New York city that I could find (laughs) to like feel something. Cause when I realized that I wasn't starting to like emotions were like pretty numb, I needed to get outside more. And that's when I noticed like these daydreamer parts of like, I don't know if New York is I'm cut out for New York. That was when like that shift happened. Mm. Looking back, what were those escapes creating in you feeling wise? What were you able to feel when you got grounded in nature? I felt joyful. Like I felt like the parts of me that um, were looking to escape found their freedom and found play outside. And what I noticed was how much being outside can help reset my mood and reset me as a person and make me feel less of a shell, even if it was just for like a week or two or however long it was that I needed to get back again into outside or nature or whatever. And then I noticed that like, I would separate my clients to be, okay, I'll train one person, then I'm going to walk or ride my bike to the next person and put like half hour, hour increments so that I could be more, spend more time outside Mm. than I did inside. And that helped. So it just kind of like changed my habits of how I worked too. So even inside of your like same schedule, more or less, you started to create little moments of break, of connection, of following those feelings, those feel-good feelings Mm -hmm. that were like restorative versus just like pounding the pavement. Yep. Sometimes it's hard and I've done the pounding the pavement and like keeping those blinders on, but I've always noticed that like when I feed this part that needs to play or just like outdoor time, I felt more whole as a person. So it was just like this one part of me, I mean, there's many parts of you, but that one part really needed play. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't give that part play, like she'd be kicking and screaming and then I would end up shutting down. That's what internally came about 
I was just going to ask you that if you didn't give yourself what you needed, what was the like acting out or like the coping mechanism that you found yourself going to? Lashing out on people and mostly like family and close friends. And like, as sad as that is, it's, but like, that's who we project most of our, it's true. Um, our kicking and screaming feelings that like we can't um, release. I would put them onto my friends or I'd, I would just put it straight into my work. And like, sometimes I wasn't really nice at boot camps. <laughs> like, so I feel like it just kind of affected my day to day with everyone. And I just felt really bitter. I think that's so important. I asked you that because I don't think that a lot of people who are just kind of like, kind of on automatic and just like going through the motions in their own lives realize that your emotions actually are messages from your body that are telling you like if it is, if it needs stuff or not, um, and if it's getting what it needs or not. And those, you know, like actions of lashing out and just feeling bitter and feeling angry and just feeling not how you would choose to feel is, Mm -hmm. is in a way like I am not nourishing myself in some way. Like a part of me, whether it's emotional or mental or physical, needs something and I just am not getting the message. Like, I don't know how to interpret that message. And then it comes out as, you know, all of our things. Um, and I think it's so real. I think it's so common. I notice Mm -hmm. like my stuff when I'm not giving my body what it needs is like isolating myself more is feeling resistance to, to everything, to wanting to like sleep more, like things like that. Um, those like thoughts of just like going to eat, just like mindless eating, come back, like they just get louder in my brain. And then I just use that now as like, a, it's like a red flag in like a, oh, okay, it's like an alarm, like something's, mm-hmm. something's off. And so take a deep breath and kind of like, take some time to figure out what I need and that I'm not giving myself. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel so a therapy that I do. That's another thing that helped me really understand what was going on in my body is therapy. Um, I didn't start therapy when I was like two years ago, right before the pandemic started. So I learned a lot about how to somatically find out what's happening inside of myself. Um, but the type of therapy that I do is called internal family systems, which talks about like the different parts of you. And so I have this little child part that I said, like wants to play outdoors, but if she doesn't get what she wants, another part of me comes in as this like protector part to like override her. And I call that like my defensive boxer type. That's Mm. just like, or an angry New Yorker. Like this is this part (laughs) that comes out and like lashes. It's always has an attitude, always has a temper. And like in his defense or her defense, she thinks she's protecting this little girl who can't play and just like putting on this like persona. But meanwhile, this part of me is like, it's just really, I don't like living with this part of myself. So I always try to like give her what she needs, which is he, this part is protecting this little girl. And if the little girl doesn't get what she wants, and my whole life goes out of whack. So I'm like, just give yourself what you need. And that's outdoor time. <laughs> and then yeah. everything else kind of becomes more in harmony. Yeah. 
Um, I want to get to the movement piece in a second, just yeah. like how you got back to finding playful movement and having that be the thing that you now do regularly. But I want to talk mm-hmm. about the nutrition piece because yeah. I know that like with boxing and just cutting weight, it brings up a lot of disordered eating and disordered mm-hmm. eating patterns and thoughts. And I was just curious if you found like that was a process in kind of coming out of that into where, into your relationship with food now and what that looked like. Oh yeah. So a little like side note, I overloaded myself in New York where I felt like I I needed to throw my hands and be like, I give up. But I was also like this big daydreamer part wanted me to leave New York and learn how to farm in Vermont. So me leaving New York healed me. Being outside and farming has healed me in totality, but it also created a different connection that I had already with food. I loved working in in some sort of capacity. I had this meal prep, meal delivery service where I was eating seasonally. And I feel like as a boxer, I did have a very disordered eating, but what I'm eating now and what I ate then are kind of similar, but now I just feel like I can eat more of the good stuff along with kind of like my normal things, because what I had with boxing, let me throw that back. When I wasn't making weight with boxing, what I eat, what I ate then is kind of what I'm eating now. But now that I'm working in my internal state is fine. Now Mm. it took me a bit to regulate because when I left New York, I was stopped fighting. I stopped kind of moving in the way that I was doing. I gained 20 pounds like that and everything kind of started working. But I think my body needed that because I was so undernourished that, um, it took me a bit to under, to get back to a homeostasis of what I'm doing now, because as soon as I started eating, donuts again and things that were more like sugary processed food, my body just like went on this like overload of eating way more of that rather than what I was eating. Mm -hmm. So I do feel there was, I wouldn't say there's shame, but I definitely was just like very hyper aware of like gaining weight. Cause I never really like had, I was always in this one state for so long that when I'm like, Oh my God, I'm still moving. I'm still having like, but I, doing all these things, I felt that when I started eating like whatever I wanted, when I wanted, um, I was very aware that it can very quickly turn into something else. If I didn't kind of take a step back and become more present again, because maybe I was kind of being a little bit more like mindless eating rather than mindful eating and just kind of eating whatever I want, because like I, I couldn't have it before. Um, yeah. So it took a while for me to kind of just reset that. Yeah. So when you were boxing and restricting and going through all of that physical restriction and mental restriction, right. Then Mm -hmm. when you had this opportunity where like you decided I'm not going to do amateur boxing anymore, I don't have to follow like a restrictive diet anymore. It was like, the floodgates kind of open sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. you, I've definitely gone through this too, where you just are like, I'm going to have whatever I want because I finally can after holding this restriction back for so Mm -hmm. long, which I feel like 
builds up. Like it, this energy builds up. And so when you finally either say like, fuck it, or I'm just not going to care as much about that, then it can kind of snowball into this um, this like mindless, I'm going to eat whatever I want sort of feel, mm-hmm. which I would say is different than an intuitive, I can eat what I want when I want it because the energy is different. And we'll get to that in a second. But you said that you gained about 20 pounds, but it actually was a good thing in the sense of it helped your body's hormones regulate. And did your period come back after Mm -hmm. doing that for a while? Within like three months, uh, it regulated. And I think it has a lot to do with being outside and getting out of bright lights of the city. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we kind of skipped over that. So you followed these daydreams of <laughs> yeah, leaving uh-huh. the city and made them a reality and you applied to the University, university. of Vermont, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, go for it. Yeah. So I went to the University of Vermont, um, having this vision of, I still want to do something with food and like learning about connecting to the land. I still have this vision of creating a retreat center later in life, but oh, it I, won't want, happen. <laughs> I want, ma- I don't want masks to be like anywhere near this retreat center. So I'm like, I'm giving myself some time, but I left new New York, moved to Vermont, very different lifestyles. And I learned how to farm for seven months on a fa- hundred acre farm, vegetable farm. And then we also got to work with watching, um, pasture raised cows and grass fed cows kind of we got to move like paddocks with them and I went to different other farms and learned how they grew their organization so it was a huge learning experience a different learning curve but like still manual labor and hard work was something I thrived but I got to be outside which was like so I got to use my muscles for the greater good of the land and connecting with the land and I just felt like this whole like circle of life thing happening while I was there of just like I'm planting the seeds. I'm attending Mm -hmm. to the seeds. I'm watching something grow. I'm harvesting the thing that grows and now it's feeding me. And like, then like all this stuff, it just felt like this whole big circle of life. And I again, gained the 20 pounds, but I felt so free and good. And like that little part of me was like, like all Mm -hmm. the time, like really like throwing our hands up and enjoying herself. And that's when I realized that I need to do something that utilizes my physical strength, but doing it more outside. And Mm -hmm. that's where this retreat situation came, but COVID happened and still taking a little bit of a break, but it will happen. But that's just kind of like, I want to teach people like to reset their stress hormones, to reset their like metabolism and all this stuff through using nature to ground themselves. Cause I think that's how we can always reset. And if you think about it, people go on vacations all the time. They only need a week and their like mood instantly shifts and they feel so much better. And like that to me is like, how can I make this something that's teachable to other people as well? That's so amazing. It was so great to see you like come alive in that, as you were doing that program, like just as your friend, (laughs) Uh it was really, it was really wonderful to see like how passionate you were, how it was, you just loved it. And it wasn't like, it was easy. It wasn't like everything fell into place. Even you moving to Vermont, there was still like Mm -hmm. life challenges and whatnot that you had to face, but 
your, it seemed just like this was, this is what you wanted to do. And this was like a confirmation of like, wow, this makes me feel so freaking good. And I am like, even I see it as like, you know, you were actually planting the seeds and harvesting the vegetables and stuff, but just from like a um, metaphorical perspective, it Mm -hmm. was like you were planting the seeds of your life in this new thing that you were creating, which is still like in, I don't know what it's called when the stuff is German. I don't know. The stuff is in the ground. It's being fertilized. It's, it hasn't blossomed (laughs) yet. You haven't harvested it yet. But like that to me was like you planting the seeds of this new movement of your life. Oh yeah. It feels so good. And first of all, I will always remember the memories of Vermont and like watching you and my sisters like pick strawberries off the vine and eating them and just like being like, (laughs) this is it. This is what life is all about. Like I was like, the simple things really like made me geek out even more. And it didn't force me, but it showed me that like slowing down is how you can gain momentum and also create the things that you want and succeed more in life. And I feel like I was like constantly in New York, like sprinting to no finish line. It felt like, and just Mm -hmm. like overworking and overdoing too much, but without like as much reward as like it could have been. And now I'm doing way less, but I'm in the same field now. Again, I went back to training and coaching and all that, but I'm doing, like, I just feel like it's a little bit more simple and it might be just like the separation from New York energy. I don't know if you agree with that too. It's definitely, uh, you, you find a different energy. You find Mm -hmm. something else. It's not like it's completely changed for me because there's parts of me that enjoy that, but I allow way more time for rest. And I think the key word is like allow like and i find mm-hmm. this giving self permission to do things that we would have judged ourselves for or said i shouldn't do that but instead there is this this energetic shift of i give myself permission to rest i give myself permission to eat whatever i want i give myself permission to have fun and play mm-hmm. versus it was not that for me when it came to food in the past, it was not that for me when it came to just like finding enjoyment and fun and leisure. Like there was no place for that. It was like focus on work and do everything that you should do to, I don't know, keep yourself looking good and whatever. And it all, com- it really has all changed for me in like the last 10 years. And I see this thread line of giving self permission um, and like being in the moment, like when you're working, you are working hard, but when you're not working and I'm down at the beach, just like taking in the sunset, I'm not physically there, but thinking like, oh, I really should be working on this thing for work. Like I Uh, really should have done that. It's, it's like when I'm relaxing or at play or restoring, that's what I'm doing. And I don't let other things, um, you know, restrict that. It really comes down to like this restriction permission thing, whether it's food, whether it's nourishment, whether it's work, play, whatever it is that you're focused on growing in. Yeah, I agree 100% to that. I feel like my energy, I still have that resilience to go with my own business, but um, 
I do feel like the restorativeness has, that is, I've made that more of a primary focus Mm -hmm. than all the other stuff. And in the op, in the interim, when I was in New York and when I was boxing and when I was doing all this other stuff, it was like, play is the last thing on your list, but play Mm -hmm. really should be the first thing. Um, we learned this actually in one of, uh, integrative Institute for nutrition. It was, uh, one of the schools that I became a health coach for, they call it primary foods and your secondary foods. So like your primary foods or your secondary food is your nutrition, like the foods you're eating, Mm. your primary foods should be rest, recovery, relationships, getting grounded, managing your stress in a different way. And then the food is second, because if you're so focused on the food, but you're stressed out in all areas of your life, you're Mm -hmm. never going to see the results you want. So I bring that into any of my courses or my one-on-one clients. It's like, we need to focus more. Like they're like, well, what should I eat? I was like, well, what let's focus on your sleep. Let's manage that. And also just like making sure that you're taking the recovery that you need and you're not going, go, go, go. And you'll probably notice more of a shift in weight loss or energy or whatever mood or whatever you're looking to find doing that before you do, we change your food. Was there any fear in the letting go of the go, go, go mentality and moving into this more balanced, like, but allowing play to come to the forefront, allowing just joy and recovering rest to come to the forefront. Was there any fear in that for you? There's still resistance sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say I'm not a hundred percent like, woo, come all the time. (laughs) Like I would love to be in that state. I think that's actually my partner is more like in that playful side and like when I tap into work, sometimes I could forget that I can easily go right back into that go, go, go mentality because my brain or my, I think my, um, my stress hormones are just like the way I live. So like I can thrive in that mentality, but I know the repercussions. If I continue to do that for like periods on end, I can tell you right now, I had a course that I just launched a month and a half ago. And the prep work for the course, I was in that go, go, go mentality. And I completely forgot about all of the self-care things that I wanted to do because I was like so excited and passionate to lose this, to launch this thing. But not taking care of myself put a huge toll on me that after I launched it, I was like, oh my God, now I have to do this course. Like, like, I don't know if I have enough energy to even like give to people because I just spent so much energy, like Mm -hmm. giving it bringing it to life. So I do think that it takes a lot of awareness and conscious like effort to stay in this mindset that I know is helpful in the long run. Yeah. Um, because I thrive better in the other one. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's so interesting. I find myself like talking myself out of that, you know, that where I can just go into work mode and just kind of like again, put the blinders on and it doesn't feel bad. Like it feels good. It feels like, Mm -hmm. oh, this feels amazing. Like I'm thriving. I'm creating what I want to create. And you just dump all your energy into that without recharging your batteries, like without doing the things that are Mm -hmm. going to help pour into you. And so, of course, you can't maintain that for too long at that speed because you're just going to run out of gas. Um, So the long-term stuff is really the learning how to manage that and maintain that. So yeah, I find resistance 
inside of that too. I can definitely relate to that. Um, do you find that when it came to the nutrition stuff, there was resistance inside of that too? Uh, no. Um, I think I was really, there was a lot of learning curves of like trying to figure it out, but I love, I guess I'm like one of like, I don't know, maybe it's because I just grew up eating it, but I love vegetables. I love fruit. I love eating protein. Like actually, oh yeah, the whole entire diet changed. (laughs) Yeah. So like there wasn't resistance. It was more like I was incorporating a lot of new things into my life before when I was fighting, I was a pescatarian. So I only ate fish. How long were you a pescatarian for? Like four years, maybe five. And that was due to, I just didn't really like how we raised animals and slaughtered in the whole process of factory farming in America. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of just stopped. And so I would eat eggs and I would have fish, but like, and so I thrived in that environment too. But once I started incorporating more meat, I didn't, I thrived, but it wasn't like what, like how I should be feeling. And when I started eating meat again, my energy shifted. There was a lot more diversity that I could eat. I felt, um, I just felt overall better. And I think that incorporating the meat into when I, I think I started eating meat when I moved to Vermont. So yeah, I was there for your first hamburger, (laughs) (laughs) which was a grass finished, locally raised happy Uh, cow. And you went to that place on purpose. It's literally the best hamburger I've had in my whole life. I will (laughs) never forget it. (laughs) That was such a good meal. It was such an epic day. I really enjoyed it. It was such a good day. Um, But yeah, when I started eating meat again, I feel like I didn't have that like resistance to be like, oh, now I have to like get myself back on track. And even though now I'm back on track, I don't know if that makes sense, but I felt more because I connected so much to the land in Vermont, I felt um, much more respect, but also like um, I valued eating more differently. Like I valued like growing my food. And and that was when COVID kind of started. I came back to um, from Vermont to my parents and then COVID happened like a few months later. And I grew my garden in my parents' backyard. So like Mm -hmm. being forced to stay home, like I got to do all the things that I did in Vermont, but on a much smaller scale. Um, And I had the time to enjoy doing that. So I don't think necessarily it was hard restrictions wise. Um, I just felt like I wanted to share it more with people. And I don't know if people really enjoyed me sharing as much as I wanted to share (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to everyone. Well, like I'm living at my parents' house and like, be like, oh, you're eating the store-bought cow when like you should be getting from the farm's cow. And like, I just felt like oh, I, was, I, I didn't want to have like this like tone of like, I am better than you because I know more about like, like, I'm just trying to like educate. I'm like, let's save the planet. But like, it can come off a little much if people just don't want to hear it. Right. You have to like say it to the people or that want to hear it, not I got say it you. to the, the family that's like, uh, no, we don't really care this much. <laughs> I got them to change some things, but not all things. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You can't change people, right? But we can only just continue to change ourselves, which I'm sure inspired them on many yeah. levels. On many mm-hmm. levels. I just want to go back to your transition into eating meat again. And mm-hmm. what was the initial reason why you decided to start eating meat again, what that you wanted to 
you know, add it back in? Well, when I realized how good I felt after leaving New York and gaining the weight and just like, I think everything kind of becoming more in harmony again, um, or like working more fluidly and also seeing like how grass fed grass finished meat is raised and how it helps benefit our land by replenishing our soils and creating um, healthier and happier plants and like soils to grow vegetables, but also like the cows are not injected with hormones or not. They're, they're raised, right. I felt I wanted to support these farmers and this style of agriculture. That's, that's nourishing, not only myself, but our planet. Mm -hmm. And so me, it was more like a, a save the planet movement, but also it just tastes really good when it's raised right. And I just feel good eating it. So a lot of it has to do with being educated on what's out there. And maybe I was, I knew what was out there, but I was like resistant towards eating it or to trust it. But when I actually saw the back end side of it made me really appreciate eating it. I also had to slaughter a chicken as one of my things in Vermont. So learning well, raising a bird and doing the whole ritual and then eating it and like having it nourish me after I nourished them, like was a, a whole different style of um, living that I never experienced that uh, mm. really made me appreciate food more. And um, I wanted to support those types of farmers because we, they are, they're few and far between and we need them in this world. Yeah. I should have you back on so we could talk about the environmental and sustainability factor of um, like regenerative farming mm -hmm. and all that stuff, because I feel like there's so much, again, miseducation, propaganda, like political stuff that just really makes it hard to see the truth of, you know, the reality of what is mm -hmm. actually causing harm and what's actually good for the earth and will help the earth continue. And so I would love to have that conversation because I think yeah. people are really confused and I think they're doing not only the earth more harm by some of the choices that they're changing to, but they're after a certain amount of time doing their body harm because your body needs certain vitamins and minerals that really only certain animal, animal products can provide. And if you're not getting adequate supplementation, it's very common for after a few years of somebody being vegetarian for their to start developing all of these symptoms that just feel crappy, whether it's mm -hmm. mental health symptoms, physical health symptoms, and they don't connect it to the fact that they're missing nutrients, they're missing vitamins and minerals that they would have been getting through through meat. But obviously, that's a whole other conversation. So we'll oh, yeah. we'll, go, we'll have you back <laughs> on for that. Yeah. We'll have a lot of information that. overload out there for sure. And oh, I yeah. think that also is the same with like diet myths in general, or just mm -hmm. like the restrictive eating, like there's the internet has so much false information and like, depending on who's lobbying the movement mm -hmm. is the information you're going to get out of it. So like, if it's a uh, big ag doing something like they're going to promote, they could be promoting like these plant-based things uh, or like due to the fact that they're lobbying the soy products, but yet these soy products are monocropped, they're killing the crop. So it's like, what is the pros and cons of like animal meat versus this plant-based meat? But yet there's so much pesticides and stuff in the other stuff. And 
it's mm-hmm. a whole slew of stuff, but I really yeah. think it's like, who is funding the research paper that you're reading? Because that's like a big one to see, especially with any diet trend out there as well. Totally. When you work with clients, how do you help them navigate their change in overall health? What does that look like for you guys? Uh, first, I can't overload them with everything, right? I'm like saving the planet is probably the last thing I want <laughs> them to eat. eat more vegetables or eat more diversity, I think would be the first thing I do. So in the navigation, it would just be like monitoring first of all, their lifestyle factors. Are they sitting all day working their nine to five? Are they moving? Are they sleeping? And their stress hormones, I kind of, like I said, those primary foods, those primary factors I want to get right before I talk talk about the nutrition or before I go into more like in depths about nutrition. Obviously I want them to be eating real food, eating plants and animal foods that are going to nourish them. And I educate them on that. But a lot of it is just making sure like when did you find, when did you feel like you had these sugar cravings or when were you, what were you craving and when, and then also like now taking their like meal, um, log and seeing, okay, well you didn't eat breakfast today. All you had was coffee until 2 PM. And that's why we overate sugar later. And it's just trying to like figure out how to like manage their blood sugar levels through holistic lifestyle choices and food choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is. It's it's a lot of like unlearning for people mm-hmm. and coming back into trusting their body them again, or maybe for the first time, I find is a big piece of the puzzle. Um, but you talk a little bit about uh, the few like programs, live sure. and virtual that you have that you help people yeah. with. Sure. I'm super excited. So I'm launching in April my, it's called Asbury Park Boardwalk Bootcamp. So I do boot camps on the boardwalks with the ocean right in front of me, so which is amazing. Talk that we were talking about in the beginning, like moving and being outside and making sure you're doing both of that together, like in tandem, like I think really creates incredible mood boost, but also empowering and gets them strong. So that's starting in April and I'm doing a bunch of those and I live in a very um, vacation filled land. So the summers are really popular here. So that is, this is my second season doing it. So I'm very excited about that. I do a transformation course, which Christine actually um, is a guest speaker on called nourish to flourish. It is a 10 week course that is all about movement mindset and nutrition. And we talk about all things, nourishment, um, holistically and also food wise to make sure that you have creating that like balanced blood sugar levels, but also to create, um, a stress-free lifestyle that doesn't feel, um, any restrictions in your transformation, which I is my passion project, but it's something that I love to teach. And, um, I'm continuing that. So I'm on my third round of that. I also have a virtual online strength class called HBS collective, which it's coming on its second year too. I started that in the pandemic to get people to move. So that's like a monthly strength subscription. You get four classes a week, lots of fun there. And then I do one-on-one trainings and nutrition and all that good stuff online and in person. You do still do online one-on-one training? Uh, a few clients from New York actually mm-hmm. that I still have, I train. Um, and then also some of my clients that I train here in the summer, because this is their second homes 
Oh, I right. train so them elsewhere online during yeah. the rest of the year. Yeah, it's an That's interesting so spot that I got here. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, I, it's perfect. Yeah, it was such a, mm. a good move for you to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited about it here. Yeah, those boot camps sound amazing. Just to be able to do it on the boardwalk. Oh my gosh, with the beach right there. Just jump in the ocean right after. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much what happens. It's a good time. <laughs> it's really, really relaxing. That's all. That's awesome. Um, all right. So I think we can wrap it up unless there is something specific that you wanted to share that we didn't get to touch on. No, I think if we talked another another date about the sustainability, yeah. I have a million things I can go on about. But I do think that for just like a small win for everyone is to just make sure that um, when you're feeling like your mind is racing and you're going and you feel like you're constantly like feeling like you need to sprint, that that's um, like you were saying, it's like your internal clock telling you to slow down and maybe just go for a walk outside and see what that, what comes up for you. Um, I feel like I find, I learn a lot more about myself and I come up with my best ideas when I'm walking out in nature. Um, So I encourage you all to do that. It's such good advice. It sounds so simple. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if whoever, you know, whoever's listening, if you're like, if another person tells me to like, go take a walk outside, (laughs) you know, that like song that like meme about like, I'm going to take my mental health walk and like, you're really pissed off about it. But all I can say is the more even like the more science, like the more biohacks that I learn, because I'm obsessed with this stuff, the more like I realize it's so simple that we keep missing it. Mm-hmm. We think there's the, some pill, but it's yeah. the simple stuff. It's the simple stuff. It's the simple stuff. And it's doing the simple stuff consistently. And it's being present when you're doing it. And like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Uh, it is crazy. But yes, keep doing the simple things well. That's the perfect yeah. way to end. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good having you on the podcast. I love yeah, talking to you. Yeah, thank you. I love talking to you too. It was I'll good. have you back. We'll have you back for a more in-depth discussion. So stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.